Welcome to The Vinyl Preacher, your weekly podcast where we talk about the Bible and make a playlist. Matt Cato, pastor at St. Mark's Lutheran Church in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Zach Barris. I am uh, sitting high above the city streets of West Asheville, uh, coming to you live from the home office. Zach, as you know, I'm a real sports guy. Uh, my father-in-law yes. recently texted me with a text dripping in irony. I know you're a real sports guy, and I've now taken that as a badge of honor. Uh, L.A. had a pretty good sports weekend. Two out of three. Two out of three wins. The Lakers Ain't bad. won the in-season tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dodgers got... With a better name than the IST, the in-season tournament. <laughs> the Just my, uh, I'm my sure they're going to get a sponsor for it, and it's going to be the... The Chase Google, yeah, cup. Chase, the Chase Cup. Chase the Cup. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Dodgers got Otani, Dang. which my brother uh, from Chicago is really mad about. Just feels like the Yankees and Dodgers get everything, and his Cubbies couldn't couldn't do it. But uh, Dodgers got him, and he's pretty yeah. much the only poor, star on their team. Poor, poor Chicago Cubs who don't have any resources. Or no resources. Or- None. Yeah, it's really, really hard for those we uh, did... small market teams, the Chicago Cubs. No. Don't get me started. We're all, we're all so mad. They did get a good manager, though, apparently. So maybe they're serious. I don't know. Anyway, the Dodgers got Otani. Uh, so that's, you know, at least one star for the Dodgers. We don't have a whole lot of other stuff going for us. And then, uh, but sadly, it was only two out of three because LAFC lost the MLS Ooh. Cup to Drew Tucker's own. Columbus crew. Nobody else was posting about this except for Drew Tucker, who I was like, man, somebody's rooting for Columbus out there. Congratulations, sir. Congratulations. I don't understand what we did wrong, Matt. Because in <laughs> 2010, which is the last time that you and I and our good friend Adam were in Chicago, Adam and I, when you were in Mexico, we went in Seattle, we went to so many fire games because it was the best deal in town. Right? <laughs> it was like, a good deal. <laughs> get a second mortgage. Maybe you can go to a Bears preseason game, right? The Bulls were absolute hot garbage while we were there. So you could get tickets. Still kind of pricey, but why would you get tickets uh, for them, for Luau Deng's Chicago Bulls? Uh, but $15. They're singing. They were good. They had Blanco made the playoffs That's every right. year. They did have Blanco. <laughs> Saw some epic games where Justin Knapp, who I'll hate forever, uh, missed his penalty in the shootout in the Superliga, which is one of the first like uh, MLS versus Liga Emekis uh, tournaments. Uh, we had we had Blanco, we had your friend, close personal friend and neighbor from the village of Arlington Heights, Brian McBride. Stars everywhere. Was he playing then? He was. He came back wow. and played for the fire at the end of the career. With wow. Blanco, putting the onion in the onion bag. A couple years later, I don't know if you remember, if you saw this, Matt. I know you are a sports guy, but not all sports guys have the MLS on their radar. The Columbus crew almost disappeared. They did get moved. That's what happened. They were moving to Austin. Wow. Uh, but there was a whole save the crew thing that happened. And because of fan sentiment, the crew... Uh, 
got bought by somebody locally and they gave the guy who had just bought the crew, he gave them a, an expansion team in Austin. So the guy who owned the crew does now own a team in Austin. They were on the precipice of not existing, Matt. And since we've left Chicago, they have won three MLS Cups and the Fire have made the playoffs one time and broken the record for number of ties in a season three times, Matt. Wow. Um, once proud franchise. I'm not crying for the Cubs. <laughs> Few people do. Few people do. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. What a, and meanwhile, what a, LA uh, shut down their flailing team, started a new team, and won one of us got made it to another championship. Still feels like a pretty good run. Shut down the fire. That's what we're saying. Shut, Shut down, the fire. down the fire. They tried to rename them. The fans said no, and they were like, Can "We kind of." Are they going to rename them? them? <laughs> well, they were going to be Chicago SC. They were dropping the fire. That's what happened. Oh. Uh, then there was big pushback. We have to be fired. So they became Chicago Fire SC. I mean FC. When previously they had been SC for soccer. And What's the thinking badge, behind that? And nobody liked it. And they redid the badge, but they, it was too late. So they played a season with these badges that they had already given up on. Crest. What's what's the thinking behind just adding? I understand if you're going to start a new team, but like, what's the thinking behind? Why don't we just add FC and then that will? What, what does that What does that do for you? I mean, the kids these days love it. Uh, the kids it love it. A little more credibility. Hmm. Um, the Chicago Fire. Uh, I mean, maybe you'd be coming back around now very much of the nineties of the, of yeah. the mid to late nineties where Utah, I mean, not Utah jazz, Orlando magic. Um, I think that was the, actually the rumor nickname, the preferred nickname that Nike wanted because Nike Adidas has had a, uh, again, this is the vinyl preview where we talk exclusively about the Bible and make playlists. Uh, but in case you're wondering, Adidas has had a stranglehold. Uh, they produce the kits for the entire league, the balls, Everything is Adidas. It's an Adidas league. It's been that way for 20 years. They've got one giant contract. But before that, all the different teams had had uh, contracts with different manufacturers, which is the way mm-hmm. it is in the rest of the world. Uh, and the Fire were going to be a Nike team, and Nike wanted them to be the Chicago, I think it was Jazz. or It was it was one of those like words without an S on the end. So it, di- it wasn't even a good like American mm-hmm. mascot name, right? Like Heat, Jazz. Uh, magic, one of those kinds of things, right? Yeah, I mean, and they ended up with fire, which is works better because there is a tie in to the city itself. Uh, sure, but, uh, so you know, <clears throat> soccer teams want to feel like they've been around for a while, that's part of the allure, the romanticism. It's kind of like baseball, like that, right? That uh, Brian McBride is in essentially like the ring of honor for Fulham Football Club, which has been around since 1800, <laughs> you know. Um, and if you're FC or SC, I like the SCs. Claim it on. I like the soccer. I'm not anti-soccer. Uh, it gives you a little gravitas, Matt. It's like the churches tying it back in uh, with your cornerstone. You want to have a nice. I mean, that's why you put the cornerstone there, right? Got a cornerstone. Way of putting a fake cornerstone on your church. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes okay. All right. That makes sense. Are they and they're playing at Soldier Field now. Is that there? Most of the time. Most of the time. 
Hmm. Occasionally, there, when there's they'll have scheduling snafus because the city on Soldier Field, as we've gone into a number of times here, uh, is a part of why the Bears are moving to the village of Arlington Heights. Uh, they can't have scheduling snafus, or the field is just awful because that's the problem that Soldier Field that everybody's always had is it's a natural grass field. Most people love that, but the city owns it. So people don't know this natural grass field in Chicago. High school teams play every week at Soldier Field. Like it's by the end of the season, it is a like it, it's a mud puddle. <laughs> Sometimes they go back out to Bridgeview. The stadium's still there because uh, Bridgeview is going to be paying for it for the next fifty years uh, without no. a primary tenant. So the big takeaway here, Matt, is that stadium subsidies always work. It always works out for the billionaire owners. It always works out. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's not paying yep. any paying in at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's why Las Vegas really is Oakland A's deal. I guess the Las Vegas A's. going to be great for Las Vegas. Man. Uh, I feel like in LA, our billionaire owners tend to, you know, we have we have billionaire owners with far too much money, so they just they I think they usually the Clippers Stadium I think is being built by Balmer yeah, the and Cronkies I think paid for that whole thing. Cronkies, yeah. I, generally speaking, the sentiment in the United States has shifted from "we're not going to pay for your stadium." Um, it shifted to that from like cities being held captive by billionaires to build them stadiums. Not one hundred percent true because it's still a scary thing for. Um, a city council person or mayor, whatever, like, especially <laughs> like you're in Cincinnati or St. Louis and you got like one, one thing and they're going to leave like, okay, we'll do whatever you want. Or you're in Oakland and you have three things and then they all leave. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just the other good news is they're, they're running out of places to relocate. They like, they, you need mm. an open space on the board to threaten people with. Mm. which in the NBA is Seattle, right? Forever. That's the thing that always works against Seattle is, well, if like we put a team in Seattle, I can't threaten to move to Seattle anymore. (laughs) True. It's true. Same thing with Las Vegas, but now Mm -hmm. nobody's going to threaten to move to Oakland because Oakland's not building you a stadium. Right. 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 True enough. Oh my goodness. Well, we started off this podcast totally on topic, so I'm glad. That's what people come to. They're like, it's Advent. I want to feel Christmassy, Adventy. Let's talk about sports. The the business of sports. Let's do it. I know you're you're also a sports guy. You've been attending. Have you not been attending football games all fall? You just man. I, I guess you're done for a while. Football games. I'm done for a while. You're done for a while. No bowl games for you this year. I, no, absolutely not. <laughs> um, it's in Jacksonville at, at noon. Uh, Jacksonville, technically in Florida, but spiritually not. It's in South Georgia. <laughs> I've attended the Gator Bowl in the past in yes. Jacksonville, uh, which is not. No. That year, it was 11 a.m. on CBS. Uh, it's cold and rainy. You're in Georgia. Like, it's not Flo- it's not South Florida. Not good. And game starts early. Um, and I got a perfectly functional television. Uh, then allow me to watch it for for let me check the price that's that's what happens when you turn 40 my friend you just i got a perfectly functional television well so i don't know i don't know dear (laughs) listeners i was all excited about moving back here 
for this part of the country, and I got season tickets for Clemson football games. Matt, I'm going to be real, real honest to you. I attended half of those football games. Oh, no. Half of them. Half of them. What? I mean, so, first of all, there was an 8 o'clock game against Florida Atlantic. Wow. After, like, I, it was the third week in a row of games. It was, like, the third week in a row I got to drive down there. I'm not going to get back till early the next morning to see them play Florida Atlantic. Like, like I have a fully functional TV. Why would I? <laughs> do this <laughs> so i didn't go to that one then uh then it lined up they all got bunched together and my friend ryan came out and he really wanted to go see clemson play at in raleigh at nc state so i went with him and it was going to be like five weeks in a row of football like a four weeks in a row of football and i was like i can't couldn't do it number one i can't do this i'm too old for this or two the team was playing really poorly like i don't need to go drive hours just to get mad like that sure. mm-hmm. um so uh the notre dame game which is the whole reason i bought the tickets in the first place was like it's i mean if you do the math right like it's worth it just to have the notre dame tickets and the florida state tickets i did go to florida state where we lost i got horrifically sunburned mm-hmm. um anytime you start a sentence with if you do the math you know it's gonna end well yeah yeah, so this girl math thing's been going around, but I've been. I think it's it's a gender genderless math system. That's what I always say about Coachella. If you do the math, it's like <laughs> you actually make money while you're there. I'm making money on this slice of twenty dollars slice of pizza. <laughs> I didn't go to Notre Dame because it was like three weeks in a row, and I was like, I don't, I just don't want to go, and they're bad. Like I don't. I don't want to do this. Of course, they win that game that I didn't get to. <laughs> um, I went to all of them, and then we were all kind of sick in the house. Mm. North Carolina and North Carolina, like, I really hate North Carolina. I forget how much I, like, I've been away long enough to know, like, like, it bubbles up. Then I'm like, wait a second. No, I still, like, really don't like, like, and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to watch us lose to them in person. Like, I'm going to be, I can't, I'm so, like, I hate them so much. I'm not going to invite somebody to go with me. Cause then I can't be like that much of a jackass in public, you know, like I'm just staying home. Right. We won that game. Once I decided to not go. Oh, you should have called it Tim Brown. He's a North Carolina fan. Probably would have ended well. I definitely could like, that's the situation. I couldn't go. I know plenty of people I could go with. Right. But like, I'm not, I'm not in that kind of mental health place. Forever. Evidently. I mean, if, 20 years away doesn't solve it. I don't think being yeah. here is going to help. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I so I'm the math, Matt, and I'm not renewing my season tickets. <laughs> if you just spend a bunch of money to go to the games you want, it's less than Yeah. season tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> they weren't even good tickets, and half the time I like tried to, I sold them on the internet and bought more expensive tickets so you could sit in decent seats. It was dumb, Matt. Sometimes we make dumb choices, and I've, I make them. <sighs> Merry well, Christmas! Uh, Merry Christmas! Yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, this is your is your church for... Merry Christmas scene already? Uh... <laughs> Were they they happy Advent? We, we did have a fellowship on Sunday, and the person organizing it said. So is it like a Christmas theme? And I was like, uh, 
Probably should still be more of an advent theme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But, the uh, dumbest thing I did in first call was to rewrite the Christmas pageant. So that it wasn't what? a Christmas pageant. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like December 10th, because everybody could come to that one. Sure, right? Like, right. Yeah. I was like, we can't do Christmas on December 10th? What did you have it be about? Like all the stuff before? Yeah, yeah, we just really leaned heavy into this poor retired woman who like worked on it and stuff, and I was like, "Nope, excuse me, <laughs> I get my red pin out here." <laughs> that was a a battle worth fighting at one hundred percent. A red pen? You didn't even use a blue pen? Gosh! Oh, I said, "Give me a deep red pen, crimson." Yeah, we uh. I don't know. What are we doing? Well, we left the lectionary behind, so I guess we're not really that. <laughs> we're do the Christmas story this week. I don't know. I don't have. Uh, I try to lean into into blue. I try to lean into Advent, um, but not quite as much as the lectionary, which just has a lot of avant garde stuff going on. So, like, we've done the the Annunciation. And uh, we did the Zachariah and John stuff this year, which never shows up in the lectionary, but is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really fun story. So, um, yeah. And we do a Christmas carol during communion. I was like, which I think feels appropriate. It's like, here you get the little taste of yeah. Christmas during That's communion. Good. And the rest of the songs are Adventy. Four taste of the feast to come. Right? I feel like it works. I feel like it works. I like it. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, this is... Our podcast for the third Sunday of Advent. As you can tell. Sunday of joy. All this joy. This is is typical God at Sunday talk. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. I've got good content this week, though, Matt. I'm excited. Do you on the texts? Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at you. All right. That's right. (laughs) If you look at our Google Doc that's now public, you can see I've uh, made comments. Multi-paragraph comments. Let's, uh, let's see what we got here. Um, the first reading for the third Sunday of Advent year B is Isaiah 61, 1 to 4, 8 to 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. Isn't this a reading in January? I feel like this is like the... I feel like this is last week. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a garland of evergreen. Oops, nope, garland instead of ashes, the oil Mm. of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a faint spirit. They will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord to display his glory. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants shall be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge that they are a people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. 
as a bridegroom decks himself with a garland, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. That was my favorite part of my wedding, Matt, is when I when I wore a garland. The traditional garland. Mm-hmm. I wore the traditional garland. Was that the second worst thing you did in your first call? That your first wedding, you insisted that the bridegroom <laughs> wear a garland? It's right here. That's right. I don't think I did a single wedding in my first call. No? I didn't have a lot of time for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I did, did plenty of funerals. Yeah. It takes yeah. a while for the weddings to come around, you know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it took a while on my second call for me to get into weddings. Yeah, I don't do that many either. I could probably count on my hand. Mm-hmm. So, Isaiah. <laughs> it's got some joy in it. You know, he's pretty excited. Uh, he's proclaiming uh, positive things. He's exchanging ashes for garlands, uh, raising up the former devastations. Those are That's a really fun uh, line there. And then... Um, and we get some garden imagery. It's very, it's a very punchy. It is. I mean, it it fits the genre here. Um, in some ways, it feels like this week, Matt, the record is skipped, and we've got the same song as last week. Uh, <laughs> you know, you get flowery Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Now that's what I call an Old Testament reading um, that people like. In parentheses. Um, and you get John the Baptist redux uh, in Mark because Mark has nothing, has very little before Jesus. So uh, has doesn't have a birth account at all. So, uh, I mean, it's good, but but pretty similar notes to last week. The interesting thing that I'll raise up, I was interested, Matt, you know this. I like the trees. I'm interested in the trees. Currently engaged in some potential legal action with a uh, builder next to my house and some trees happens to be an oak uh the oaks of righteousness read through that and i was like wow that's that'd be a better name for a church than most of the names um but then i'm always interested in like when when the bible references something like specific like that uh like what are they really talking about like did they have oaks like have oaks evolved at all since then what kind of oaks you know like it's like birds in the bible i'm interested in that right like when we're talking about, uh, I guess, just scientific things. But like, you know, you read oaks at the bottom. I like, guess oaks are strong trees. But what are they talking about, right? Here's a fun fact. I did just the briefest word study while you were reading it. Oaks is uh, same word for as rams. It's the same word. Huh. What? Yeah. Oak and ram. Identical word. That's same interesting. Mighty man. Post Yule. Hmm. Yeah. Aeol, Aeol, Aleph, Val, L. Interesting. And what do you make of that? Just strong? I don't know. Yeah. Brown Driver Briggs, which is the V. What's the fancy word for dictionary that we use in seminary? I don't know. I'd love to tell you it's on my bookshelf. Uh, easily accessible, but lexicon. There we go. Yeah, the mm-hmm. lexicon of record is Brown Driver Briggs. Uh, definition number one for the word here translated as oak is one 
uh, Ram used as food to Ram slain in ceremony of ratification of covenant between Abraham and the people and, uh, and Yahweh. Uh, three ram skins died of red. Then we get to the second overarching, uh, which is a projecting pillar. Three. Wow. Uh, a, a leader or chief as like leader of a flock, like a ram. Uh, and then finally the fourth exhaustive definition here, uh, terebinth, which I don't really know what it means. Probably as prominent, a lofty tree. Um, hmm. So there's some uh, really zoomed in tech study for you. <laughs> Fun fact, there is an Oaks of Righteousness Worship Center in Canoga Park, California. Hey, you make it. Where's Canoga Park? I don't know where that is. Uh, I think it's like northwest of here. It's a greater LA. Oaks of Righteousness. That's always the impressive thing about California, right? Like it's so big. And there's so many people there that it's just always, and the cities are named so obliquely. Like, you just, there's somebody I'll always name a California city. Like, I've never heard of that. I have literally zero idea where that could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's Isaiah. What do we get from John? John. Playing it back, you. It's going to sound familiar to last week, but a little bit different. Some similarities that are important. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came to witness, came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. First chapter of John, you're already getting the uh, being grafted into. Uh, believe through him. He himself was not the light, this John, but he came to testify to the light. And this is the testimony given by John when the Judeans sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. And then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Different comma this week. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He's a better quoter. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you're neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who's kind after me. I am not unworthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing the good news of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. So Matt, again, hit me like the oak trees in the years here, right? Uh, you get a little buzzword thrown in here and you recognize it and you keep on moving because their primary question, these folks sent by the Pharisees and the Levites, uh, or the priests and the Levites who are sent from the religious center, come out and they have one question. Well, they have two questions. Uh, who are you? And then follow-up question, why are you baptizing if you are not the Messiah, if you're not Elijah? Um, as far as I'm aware, Matt, baptism these days is, is nearly exclusively uh, the domain of Christians. Hmm. Uh, Jewish folks, as I'm aware, do not baptize very often. 
Uh, in fact, I'm personally aware of zero Jewish baptisms. Never been to one, never heard of one. Uh, but they throw out baptism as if it's a thing everybody does and knows what we're talking about, right? Like, <laughs> not like, why have you invented this brand new thing called baptism? Why are you half drowning people? Uh, no, they ask, why then are you doing this baptism? We all know what that means. We don't no need to define the term here. Uh, let's just keep moving on. Tell us why you're doing it if you're not the Messiah or Elijah. So I looked it up, Matt. Did a little research. Love to do a little research. Uh, baptism uh, is a form of the verb like baptizo, which means I wash. And within religious like parlance of the time, religious thinking, it was a pre. It already existed as a concept. What it referred to was ritual washing in the temple in order to achieve, uh, you know, uh, ritual cleanliness to go into the temple. Hmm. So baptism was a thing that existed, had a religious function, and it was about that kind of ritual purity. And you can read in, we can tie in all the threads about how the problem with, with, with ritual purity and, and ritual cleanliness is it was tied to power and wealth. You had to be really wealthy in order to be uh, ritually clean all the time. But it was a pre-existing thing. And so we played last week with uh, the commas that the Bible plays with about whether the the one crying out is in the wilderness, or the one is crying out that in the wilderness the roads should be made straight. Regardless, this week, um, John locates himself in the wilderness, and that's the place where the ritual cleanliness is happening. If anything is antithetical, or antithetical, as some people say, to ritual cleanliness, uh, it is chaos. Right, the problem with the wilderness and water is is that it is chaotic and it seems to be beyond the control of even God. Right, um, you know, in the Torah we start with a story about God taking this chaos, which seems to be ungodly, and creating order out of it. Here, the ritual cleanliness is happening in the wilderness and not in the temple. Um, John is reframing baptism as a thing that happened. Uh, in the clean places, and now it's happening in the wild. Uh, <laughs> and so that's the angle I would pick here and try to get in there, because I think there's some good news to it, right? It's um, uh, the presence of God, like in the world, it's dislocated from a particular time and place, um, certainly dislocated from a place that requires purity, but also something a little terrifying. <laughs> hmm. I think it kind of means that the, the presence of God in the world is chaotic like the wild, like the wilderness. This is a nice antidote, counterweight, to last week uh, God's uh, propaganda about uh, uh, mountaintop removal, right? Like here, it's happening in those valleys. Like the, it's happening, right? Like in the wild. And so that's, that's what I got this week. Yeah. Yeah. So God is a, an agent of chaos. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Liberating funds for the revolution. It's, uh, this makes me think of the movie. A little film. I don't know if you've seen it yet, Zach. It's called Wish. Mm, have not seen this film. <laughs> but you have been the recipient of many texts about it back and forth. Oh, is that what was happening? <laughs> that's what uh, Adam and I have been talking about, because apparently... Uh, Adam Cena. Is it a little? It's a Disney film. It's a Disney 100 film. There are 100. There's so many Easter egg in jokes about previous Disney films. It's 
I think they got a little too bogged down in the Easter eggs. So I think okay. maybe what happened. Anyway, there's like a star in it who is like an agent of chaos. And I think it's a really, that's just what I kept thinking. This little agent of chaos. Uh, it's interesting that God is, is acting as this unpredictable. You should get a spirit. We're back to it's Loki. Loki. It's a Loki. It's a Loki figure. Um, and that the spirit is that agent of chaos. I find baptism to be an especially, I mean, gosh, I know we've read this text a million times. Uh, but as you're describing it now, I mean, I don't know. We're uh, ordained ministers of word and sacrament and typically think that there are places. I, I usually don't baptize in swimming pools. Uh, I think I probably could baptize in an ocean, but we'd want to have like a gathered community there. right? Like there's there's all this structure yeah. that we are supposed to have. And I know like the point is, you know, we're supposed to do it in community, but like really like there's like places and there's rules about these things which and apparently all bets are off john's just doing this out in the wilderness i don't know if he's been authorized by somebody has there been apostolic succession to identify him as a rostered leader uh is john a rostered <laughs> is he on a roster somewhere i don't know but he's on here baptizing is this is this okay are we okay with this like what's i don't know i feel like he'd be reprimanded if anyone was ever on leave from call <laughs> it is it is a little bit scary it does feel like uh god is now operating outside the bounds of uh our our rosters which is i don't know what's happening i think probably over 75 percent of my baptisms have happened in swimming pools or or, (laughs) horse traps yes yes but but like but but just but horse troughs that you that you probably purchased at a local oh absolutely <laughs> not at somebody's backyard that's the right way to do it and there should be rules <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, how Austin says to do it <laughs> I mean I also use a swimming pool but it's a swimming pool that I do at church which I always thought I was so transgressive because I left the I outside the sanctuary. In the yeah. church patio. Wow. How outside the box yeah. am I? Uh, Revolutionary. Clearly not as outside the box as John the Baptist. So. <laughs> well, but maybe that is a good, a good way to be prepping for, uh, for the Christmas, the Christmas gospel is that God is now operating outside the bounds <laughs> of what we thought. I expect like, I also expect the second half of this, and I haven't read ahead enough to know whether it comes next. Like uh, he's coming to baptize with fire, mm-hmm. right? Is what the other half of it. I baptize with water, but he's coming to baptize. I'm going to have to look it up if it's not in John. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just an interesting note, right? Like, like um, the way I normally hear or read this is that like it, it kind of poo-poos uh, John's baptism. Right, like uh, I'm just baptizing with water, but uh, but here there doesn't seem to be like a value judgment on it. I baptize with water. There's one coming, and I'm not worthy to untie the thong of a sandal. But it doesn't do it in the same way um, that I remember hearing it oftentimes. Right, where it's like, no, it doesn't have it. Um, winnowing fork, right? Jesus baptized. Well, and Mark, John's little. Yeah, Luke and Luke and Matthew like mm. it. Yeah. 
But not in John. It's not here. So, preacher, maybe that means something a little different. Yeah. And this is the text for the Joy Sunday. <laughs> it's classic Joy text. Interesting. Isaiah seems like an easy fit, but John, a little mm-hmm. bit more complicated Joy. Mm-hmm. Well, what are we listening to on this Marie Kondo Sunday? That was good. That was good. That was a good one, Matt. That's, that's funny. Um, inspired by my Spotify wrapped, I was like, did I just talk about this last week? I, you know, Dan Hilly in particular uh, had Asheville as his geographic location. Uh, and so I looked it up to see if Spotify finally caught on to what Matt Cato was, was doing 15 years ago. Do they have geogra- geographical playlists? And they, they do, Matt. Or at least I found an Asheville indie playlist. And so I've been listening to it. It's got some really good stuff on this. I found the good music. <laughs> what? Someone who lives in Asheville likes the Asheville playlist? Um, wow. It's pretty great. Well, I'm a Burlington, Vermont kind of guy, according to Spotify. So... Um, I haven't called on to Noah Khan, which evidently I should, but oh um, yeah, he's like a whole there's a whole feature in the New York Times I haven't read it yet. But he's uh he's so hot right hadn't, now. Hadn't worked for me yet. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know who I do I am really into is Asheville's own Indigo D'Souza. Oh, and uh, okay. I'm gonna lead with a strong one. Uh gonna lead with my my Otani here. Uh Indigo D'Souza's take off your pants. Because uh, it's, it's really, for, I didn't even make that connection. Um, really, Boppy, you're gonna like it a lot, Matt. Uh, hmm. You listened to the playlist this week, um, and the the verse is kind of the chorus, which is pretty pretty awesome. Because uh, it's it's a lot. There's a line, and then a, a common response every time. When am I gonna get out of bed? Like everybody else does. Everybody else does. When am I gonna get a better head? Like everybody else does. Everybody else does. When am I going to go back to school like everybody else does? Everybody else does. Um, oh, it's really good. Of course, now that everyone's gone, I can tell you the truth. I don't love you. I like you. Now that everybody's gone, I can tell you it hurts. I mean, I am just like you. You can check it out. I think it's a good it's a good John the Baptist song. Uh, and I just now am making the connection that uh, you have to take to get. Well, you don't have to. That's one of your rules, to. Matt. You're trying mm. to box in the Holy Spirit here. I guess He's so. Assuming that only valid baptisms are pantsless or or, or porky pig baptisms. <laughs> that was my favorite part of uh, the Book of Concord. That part that goes into detail about no pants, <laughs> no problems for when it comes to baptism. Uh, then that another artist off that Asheville indie playlist, M. J. Linderman has a fun one uh, called "You Have Bought a Boat." Uh, and uh, I think it works here. It's plain to it's plain to me to see you have bought yourself a boat since the last time you and me spoke. Uh, it's about like craziness, wildness, bug bites, hurricanes, and your human name. Uh, check it out. It's a song for being out in the wilderness and having things blow you around in all kinds of different directions. Check it out. And then finally, I'm putting a cover on by America's greatest cover artist, Matt. I'm ready to say it. I'm ready to declare it right here, right now. Josiah and the Bonnevilles. I don't know a single original song they do, but they are 
excellent cover artist. Um, and this was new to me too. Uh, it's called Wintering, which hmm. is a 1975 song. And oh. they call it a country version. And it's about going home for Christmas. Uh, so I think it fits this time of year. But mostly, oh, it's fantastic. And I loved it so much. I looked at the lyrics, and the lyrics are clever and smart. And I was like, dang. I bet that 1975's version is pretty good. And I listened to it, and I was like, that's not a good song. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that's how good a cover artist they are. They like play somebody else's song, and you're like, that is a good song. And you listen to the yeah. original for the first time, and you're like, that is not a good song. And last, Matt, I don't have... Um, I don't have a song from them, but it's a musical uh, news item uh, item of note. Uh, one of my favorite bands of all time, the band called Dawes, had a song, also probably the third album, uh, called uh, All Your Favorite Bands. Mm-hmm. Or All My Favorite Bands. And the, the punchline, everybody sings along at the concert is, may all your favorite bands stay together. Um, and Matt, I got bad news. <laughs> What? It's been a slow thing, but we're down to half Dawes now. Oh, uh, no. It's a, there was a brother duo at the heart of it, Taylor and, um, oh, my gosh, his brother, the Goldsmiths. Uh, we lost Wiley, the bassist, earlier this year, and the keyboardist, the, the keys guy, who was not the original keys, but had come on, and everybody loved him. He has formally left the band this week. Um, so we're down to half. Dawes. I don't know what it means for the band. Oh, no. Uh, the Vinyl Spouse made it most clearly. Taylor Goldsmith, lead singer Dawes, most well known for being the uh, husband and father of the children of Mandy Moore. Um, the only conclusion I can draw is that Mandy Moore has Yoko Ono to this band. Oh, no. Because what? before Mandy Moore, the band stayed together. <laughs> and now that they have a five year old child, they don't, the band can't hold it together. Oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Griff, it's Griff Goldsmith, a Griffin Goldsmith. Wow, I did. Uh, I did not know that they just played a show. I was, I wanted to go, and then I was too busy. Dawson well, Friends, Christmas in L.A. They played at the Bellwether, right? Christmas in L.A. And uh, the announcement about this show said, "Expect well, some familiar sure. faces from the Dawes universe, and expect Griff." to shake some sleigh bells at least once. So I don't know. Did that happen? Was he not there? Griff is in the band. He's the drummer. Oh, he's the still brother. there. Still there. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, the bassist. Yeah. Okay. Well, All the right, bassist good. has been gone. Why? Maybe Wiley showed up to play the show, but it was the big announcement was the keys guy. His name I can't keys remember. Guy. The, you it. don't want to remember the keys guy. I hope your brother's El Camino runs forever. I hope you still got on that hat that says let's party. May all your favorite bands stay together. Well, I hope they play Christmas in LA next year. Maybe I'll go. It's a great song, by the way. I should you just go got to find some guys next to be in week. The band. Well, speaking of Christmas in LA, a song by Dawes featuring the Killers, or is it vice versa? The Killers put out a greatest hits record, their second greatest hits record in like five years. It seems like way too many greatest hits records. Christmas I don't know what. Why? Who's calling? Um, I don't. Uh, no, it did not. They put out a great like, Christmas album. They have a Christmas album with all those like Christmas singles, and it has a Joshua tree on the cover with Christmas lights on it, and it is so beautiful. And it's not on vinyl. 
or at least if it is, it's so rare that I can't find it. Yeah. It makes me, makes me sad. Cause I would totally buy that. I'm heartbeat. not even expecting that. Like that's, that's how, that's how, how bad the world has gotten since our days of youth, Matt every year. Like, Oh, what are the killers got cooked up for Christmas this year? I'm not even expecting anything, man. <laughs> I know. It's said, well, this this year they put out a greatest hits record with a couple of uh, they put the couple those new songs they've been putting out. Boy, your side of town, and one more called Spirit, which is a perfect song for this week, which begins the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Uh, that's not how the song begins. That's how Isaiah begins. So, but you can listen to the Killers' Spirit. It is apparently from a synth album that they are working on that they scrapped because they were like <laughs> this is not this is not working but uh they came oh. up with a couple songs said throw them on a greatest hits record and out, yeah. uh and there you go but uh love my killers the uh the cover of their greatest hits is like a roulette, <laughs> roulette thing i love that they <laughs> lean into the vegas thing it's great uh and then the second song uh do you know who else put on a new record peter gabriel I love Peter Gabriel for a long time, uh, but uh, people gave him rave reviews to his concerts last year. He's been pushing the envelope. He's kind of he's he's an experimental guy, and he's got a new album out called IO. Uh, that again, getting getting good reviews. So I was listening to it today. I'm gonna put the title track IO on. It's like a little lowercase I slash lowercase O. He's just he's just weird like that by Peter Gabriel. And then uh, finally, my John the Baptist song has got to be The Wanderer by Johnny Cash. Voice in the Wilderness, Johnny Cash. That's what I got. I like it, Matt. For the record, Lee Pardini. I apologize to Lee Pardini and his family, the Keys. I've enjoyed it. came into the band late, but but really fit in well. Um, thanks for, for, for all you did for Dawes and the Dawes community. Um, please be a guest on our podcast. Please be a guest in our podcast. Indeed. It, uh, it's been real. Real vinyl. Ooh, not sure I told you.